It's kind of like an overwhelming want for certain cuts. And, you know, it really just makes you wonder, like, where the rest of the animal is going. That's why I feel really good about where I'm working now. Because I, I get to see where the rest of the animal goes. Corner Table, a Capital Times podcast about food and drink in Madison. I met Allie Christian a few weeks ago when I was working on a Cap Times cover story about sustainable meat, the grass-fed beef and pasture-raised chickens from shops like Conscious Carnivore and where Allie works, Underground Butcher on Williamson Street. I got to watch Allie and her colleagues break down a whole Angus steer. It was fascinating and I recommend it to any meat eater. I am your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. I asked Allie to come by the studio to talk about how she got into butchery, what she's learned, and why using the whole animal is important to her. Stay tuned. Welcome, Allie. Hey. So, first of all, can you just tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm Allie Christian. Um, I am currently a butcher, an underground butcher. Um, I've been there for about four months. Why did you decide you wanted to go into butchery? Um, well, the last two years I was a uh, sous chef at Gray's. Working in kitchens can get a little stressful at times and long hours. So I think at one point I was just kind of ready for a change. Um, and not only that, but, you know, learning is something that's really important to me. And I started, like, looking at my skill set and looking at my strengths and looking at my weaknesses. And butchery was definitely one of the things that was a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Gray's is part of that, you know, La Toile, Deja Food Group. Yep. I know they work a lot with large cuts of animal, right? Did you do any butchering when you were there at Gray's? Um, mostly fabrication, um, and that, what that is, is like, say for example, you get, um, a whole sirloin, like a whole top sirloin in, um, so like fabricating it would be like taking out the silver skin, um, doing any seaming, and then portioning it into steaks. When you talk about seaming, just describe a little bit what that is. Uh, so like the seaming is... Pretty much like the tissue in between the muscle. Um, it's almost like a guide in itself. And that kind of stuff is like not the stuff you want to eat. <laughs> um, for example, well, I'll go back to the top sirloin. There's a top sirloin and then the sirloin cap, otherwise known as like a culotte or a picanha. Uh, there's a very natural seam between those two. And basically what you have to do is just kind of split that open and use your knife just to kind of like literally split the two in half. One of the things that surprised me when I went to the shop the other day and was watching you guys kind of take apart a steer Mm -hmm. was you have these very, very long, sharp knives. And I feel like when you think of like a butcher knife, you think of like a chef's knife. It looks like a big knife, you know, when you see when you see butcher knife. Yeah. But this was like a long, almost like a fillet knife, like a like a really thin kind of boning knife. And you guys were mostly using those. Can you talk a little bit about how how you work to sort of separate out some of the component parts so that we you know to get us to steaks that we would recognize? 
Sure. Yeah, so, like, the reason we use smaller knives, like, if you look at the knife compared to the carcass, it's a little ridiculous at first. Um, But the reason for that being is, you know, when it might not look like it, but when we're in there, like, it requires a little bit of, you know, being precise. Um, There's certain parts where you're only using, like, the tip, the very tip of your knife. Uh, A lot of times... Boning knives are good for boning things, (laughs) separating the meat from bone. Um, But yeah, you know, it was something that took me... I I would get really frustrated when I first started there because I'm the type of person that gets mad when I'm not good at things right away. Um, But everyone told me it takes about two months. And right around that two-month mark, um, I started to become very familiar with, like, the anatomy of a steer. Um, yeah. One of the butchers I spoke with said that it takes about six months total for someone to really understand whether butchery is for them. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of heard the same thing. There's a lot of cooks that tend to, you know, go work at butchery shops, and um, someone told me that either you really like it and you stay with it, or you go back to cooking. Um... I do feel like I was talking with a friend the other day and she said that butchering is kind of a dying art. So maybe it is a little bit more of a, a strange choice to make. It's such a physical job. Yeah, yeah. Have you found that you've gotten stronger since you've been doing it these past four months? Yes, yeah, I definitely I feel like that. I think a lot of people look at me and they're like, she, there's no way she's a butcher. But yeah, I don't know, sometimes... Uh, I think my body surprises me sometimes. Do you get sore at the end of the day? Oh, when I first started, yes. Like every Thursday when we would do a uh, steer breakdown, I would just get home and like have to lay on the couch. Uh, my body's definitely getting used to it now. But I think that also has to do with me working more effectively because I know it a little bit better now. So outside of your job itself, do you find that people are squeamish around meat? I was I was surprised how many people were nervous about like putting the photo of the animal on the cover of the Cat <laughs> Times and then also using the word meat. Yeah. Because people are like sensitive and and yet we're eating more meat this year than we have in recent history. So I wonder like do you do you find do you encounter a squeamishness among folks that you know about the work that you do? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of people that um will come into the shop and you know, they're always interested by like what's on on the table, but there are a couple of people that are just like look quick and then look away, which is fine. Um for me that's something it's I don't really get that squeamish about things, so you know, my parents, they were gardeners, and my dad worked for the Department of Agriculture and was a hunter and a trapper, so I was, like, exposed to that kind of stuff fairly early on. Did, used, you, did you hunt as a kid? Um, I have. When I was fairly young, I used to help my dad out um, in what's called a fur shed. You know, he would have his trap line and go out every day and check his traps. Um, anything that he caught was brought back to this, like, kind of workshop area where, you know, it was skinned and the fat was removed from the pelt. And I kind of helped my dad out on a lot of that stuff. So one of the 
more fun questions that I got to ask when I was there, uh, watching you guys kind of break a steer down, was like your, about your favorite cuts, like things that you've discovered. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do you have a lot of conversations with folks who come in maybe looking for a particular cut that you don't have a lot of because there's only one or two on the animal or something? Right. But do you have conversations with folks about, okay, I know you're looking for this, but here's this other cut that you maybe don't know about? Sure. Yeah. Um, what I find most common is a lot of customers will come in and they don't know what they want. When it starts there, I always ask them, well, what are you cooking? And then we kind of work from there. I'll use like my background in cooking, like some of that knowledge, knowing like what cuts work best for that. I think you know a lot of people underestimate like how good roasts are, myself being included in that. Um, I feel like it's really easy to get wrapped up in the luxury of like a steak, which I'm not hating on steaks. Steaks are great. But it wasn't until I started working at the shop that I was buying a couple different things to try, um, like eye of rounds or tri-tips, um, and you know, learning like the art and cooking those properly. And I don't know, they just look really beautiful when you come, they come out and you rest them and you slice them. And not only that, but you can feed a whole bunch of people, so it's always a bonus. Tell me a little bit about a typical week for you. Like, when do the animals come in? Do you sort of have an ebb and flow of like, okay, Tuesday we work on a bunch of stuff to give to underground meats? Tell me a little bit about your week. Okay, yeah. So Thursdays, every Thursday we go steer in for breakdown, whole steer. Um, every other Friday is two hogs, which we've actually started getting one hog on our off Friday because we're going through so much pork. Um, and then getting a lamb in is just kind of playing it by ear. Um, but besides animal breakdowns, obviously, like the biggest thing is making the case look nice. You know, um, having things out on display that people might be interested in, which all dep- depends on seasons too. Like winter, you know, we do a lot of roast, a lot of braising meats. Whereas summer, like, we just stack the case with um, steaks and sausages. But, um, yeah, Monday and Tuesday, uh, we're really just cranking out brats lately. (laughs) Um, And then, obviously, organization. It's really nice to have the beginning of the week to do a lot of cleaning, um, making sure, like, the product is being rotated, any types of, like, pâtés or terrines. Um, we'll do those two, which is kind of a kind of a nice break for some of us, like being able to cook something a little bit. One of the things that I wanted to focus on when I wrote this story recently was how places are using the whole animal. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how underground uses all the parts of, for example, beef? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one thing that I think we we do pretty well. Um, so obviously, you kind of saw the breakdown. One of the first things we do on the hindquarter is remove the the beef tallow, which is the fat that's around the kidneys. Um, we will grind that and render it down, and we actually will sell it for our retail case. You know, it's can be used like a lot of other types of oil. Like, you know, you hear about like duck fat fries or like frying things in animal fat um, can be used very much the same. And same goes for hogs too. Like we use fat back, 
or the leaf lard. We make a lot of stock in-house. Um, as far as bones go, we get a lot of people with dogs that come in and buy them. We get a lot of people that come in and want to make their own bone broth. And then any sort of like trimmings that come off some of these cuts, we you know clean it up and we'll use it for ground beef. We really do use like every part of the animal that we can. Livers, all the offal. Uh, I'll try to like put that into pâtés at the shop. We'll sell beef tongue or beef cheeks. Uh, we have all that for sale. When I came in a couple of weeks ago now, I think, when I first came in, one of your butchers was working with a pig tongue, mm-hmm. I think, and he was going to, like, pickle it? Yeah, pickled pig tongue, yeah. <laughs> do you just, like, sell it as pickled pig tongue then, or do you put it in something else? I think he was actually going to put it in some sort of a pate. Um, our last butcher dinner, which is something... We do, I'm not sure how often it is, but one Sunday, basically all the butchers will um, go over to Four Quarter and we'll like design our own menu and sell it for a night. It's really fun. Um, I've been lucky enough to be a part of one of those so far, and we're going to be doing another one around Father's Day. That sounds so good. It's fun. I really enjoy doing that. <laughs> it allows me to be creative. But the last butcher day we did, we had a... Kind of like a charcuterie item, and it was pickled pig tongue. Have you seen interest when, like, when people come in, do they want to, like, watch you work? Like, are there people who are wanting to learn more about butchery? I know that Underground has offered classes before, because I've taken two of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Underground Meats offers hot classes and sausage-making classes. There are some people, you know, that will, like, hang out and watch. Um, I've had a couple people that, like will actually come behind the case, which I don't mind, but I think other people in the <laughs> in the shop probably think that's a no-no. Um, I don't mind it because seeing somebody get excited about it makes me excited, and it's really kind of a cool interaction. I found the, there was a poultry class. We were taking apart ducks, mm-hmm. and we had it at Madison Sourdough Underground, had it years ago, and that was really fun because... I learned how much you have to use your hands to take things apart. Like, you really got to get it in there with your hands. And I became so much more handsy with my food, Yeah, which I thought was great. But the pig class was a different experience in part because I thought, I am never going to have a side of pig. But at the same time, knowing how the parts of the pig sort of came apart into the things that we think of as, like, chops and ribs and, ste- you know, steaks and roasts, and it was really educational for me to sort of say, okay, I know that if I order, for example, a quarter pig or Mm -hmm. a half pig from a farmer, that I can ask for this cut instead of that cut. Right. But I can't have both. Yeah. Because they come from the same place. (laughs) Yes. And I always found that very fascinating because I I feel like that's something that I I heard sort of as as I was reporting the story, that there is kind of a, a lack of understanding about where some of these things come from. Yeah, it's kind of like an overwhelming want for certain cuts. And, you know, it really just makes you wonder, like, where the rest of the animal is going. That's why I feel really good about where I'm working now, because I I get to see where the rest of the animal goes, you know. And if people don't come in and buy specific cuts, I can use it in other ways around the shop. 
or you know because underground is like its own like umbrella thing there's four quarter catering and obviously the retail shop where we can kind of move these things around and make sure that they get used whether it's in sausage or a dish at four quarter or yeah exactly yep and that's one nice thing it's all about communication if i tell johnny or someone like hey we have a surplus of this is there a way you can use it otherwise you know I can try and make it into a sandwich special, which is also really fun, too. Are there things that you've discovered from working there that you didn't really know about before, things that have surprised you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I feel like my world, as far as meat goes, you know, like I knew about certain cuts, like New York Strip, ribeye, sirloin, you know, shanks, things like that. I really like the way that we break down a steer at Underground because there's so many cuts that I didn't know anything about. And when I first came into the shop, I believe it was uh, an underblade, which is a steak that sits underneath the shoulder blade. And I asked them what it was, you know, and like what it was like. And I bought that steak and then I asked if they were hiring. But it's really strange, you know, cause I came in and like, I didn't really have any knowledge about these cuts and now I'm behind the counter, and so many people, just like I was, came in and are asking me the same questions. I really loved how the butchers would show me where a cut was by pointing to an area of their body. That was, like, my <laughs> favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that happened slowly because I didn't think of it, like, on my body at first, but it just kind of, like, slowly happens. I think one thing I would get tripped up on a lot was, um, you know, like the cow comes in and it's kind of stuck in a position where it's hanging. And so you kind of have to think about how it stands naturally. And um, trying to get my mind around that was definitely difficult. But yeah, I I do that just to show them (laughs) where the cut is on my body, which is probably weird. It works. Yeah. It's sort of like holding (laughs) up your hand to say, I'm from this city. Yeah. Like the whole Wisconsin thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for for letting me watch you work and for answering all my questions when I came in those several times. It was really helpful. And thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. Find my May 16th cover story, Farm Raised, at captimes.com, where you can also see a photo gallery of Allie and her fellow butchers at work. Follow us on Facebook at Corner Table Podcast, and subscribe to The Corner Table anywhere you get your podcasts. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Hari Shin, the Korean-American cook behind Hari's Kitchen. I'm your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. My wish for you this week is a new kind of steak on the grill, which is just what I've been craving lately. Happy summer, Madison. Cheers. Cheers.